All right. Well, it is my great pleasure to. Oh, Sham Sundar showed up. Sham, are you going to be uh, uh, translating or no? No, I'm just going to be listening. Okay, got it. It's a Sunday translator. Okay, very good. So, yeah, I was saying that it is my great pleasure to have Abhay Krishna on the Sadhaka interviews this, uh, this morning. How's it going, Abhay? Uh, it's going very well, and uh, I'm very honored to be invited to the interviews. Thank you, sir. Excellent. So I guess let's uh, jump straight into it. I'm going to read the little bio that you wrote about yourself, and <laughs> it goes like this. Abhay was born in a very normal uh, all-American home and lived a rather typical childhood and teenage life. But by some blessing, he had the spark of bhakti injected into his life via stumbling across Prabhupada's Gita when he was 19 years old. And by another blessing, he found himself meeting Guru Maharaj and the Audarya Vasis as his first saintly association. From that point on, he had several attempts at going, quote unquote, all out as a monastic and several times falling short of that high goal. But thankfully, no progress is ever lost in devotional service, and he continues to try to practice to ever increase his faith while currently living in Poland with his devotee wife. Okay, so uh, I like to start these interviews by asking if there's any indication uh, when you were a kid that you had like bhakti samskars or that you had some kind of religious or uh, spiritual inclination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a very good question, and it's always very interesting to hear the devotees talk about this. Um, and my situation is is interesting because I think I didn't have too much when I was young, to be honest. Um, uh, I was thinking about this question before the interview, and um, certainly, most certainly, uh, any of the more intense religious experiences I, I had were, were all after becoming a devotee. But I was thinking about this, um, you know, what was my first religious experience when I was a younger, younger person? And the one that did come to mind that that kind of stuck as like a childhood memory was um, one because I would go to church as a kid. But, um, you know, it wasn't it was just like you would go and, you know, want to come home. It wasn't like I had so much passion for this. But anyway, one time uh, I remember at, at my childhood home that the TV was on and it was some kind of religious channel, I guess. And. There was a young girl speaking about faith and she was mentioning something like, you know, I, I just know there's a God because, you know, I see the sunset and I see the rainbows or something along these lines. And for some reason, this like struck me and it was like the first time I started to think about it, like, well, how do I know if there is God? Like I would kind of go to church without really thinking about it, you know, and this was the first time I kind of had that thought of uh, how do I know? And I, and I liked the way she said that. And I was like, well, I don't, I can't really know, but I think so too, because, you know, these beautiful things exist that there has to be God. But I remember that uh, internal conversation after seeing that kind of stuck with me over the years. And that, that's what kind of came to mind with this, with this question. But I didn't, I was very much a regular American uh, kid growing up, very typical and very focused on games and, you know, playing with the other kids. And, uh, um, and uh, I, I, you wouldn't certainly have thought of me as having a, a religious nature when I was growing up so so you didn't like you were not inclined towards philosophy or like this kind of deeper thinking or you were just like a normal kid huh yeah very much yeah I, I definitely wasn't inclined towards philosophy um yeah not at all not at all <laughs> interesting and your family was religious on some level right like can you tell us a little bit about what your family life was like and that? yeah certainly so my, my, um, my family was, um, they were very uh, good family, very um, uh, loving parents and um, responsible parents. So I, I definitely had a very uh, kind of like idyllic, uh, some people would say American uh, life growing up, you know, running around with the neighbors and safe place and uh, no abuse from parents or even emotional abuse and always supportive. Um, and they, we did go to Sunday school every week. Um, and, you know, they would say grace at the table, things like this. Um, but there was certainly never really discussion of anything spiritual um, other than you should go to church. Um, but my, my grandmother, on the other hand, she was the one person in the family who, who was a spiritual person. She, she truly was 
Um, she'll probably come up in some other parts of the interview today. Um, but uh, but uh, it's interesting now. I, I really value her um, her presence in my life because she was someone who really emphasized the importance of spirituality. And of course, as kids, we would be like, oh, grandma's going to make us do this thing or something. We didn't have interest, but but it still made an impact that this spirituality is important, is important. You see how important it was to her. And, and she was a bit of a, she is a bit of a special person. She's, she's Christian. She's very uh, devoted. And she, she's, she has like a very emotions, like at the tip of her, almost busting out of her body. She can, she just will like, have tears come in her eyes for any little thing it could be like you're going to see someone after a long time and and she's hugging them and she's crying but also i would notice in, in church all the time she's can so easily erupt to tears so she has a little bit something special with her, with her. Uh, some she has some connection with god i'm sure of this and uh so there was that influence um uh, which i didn't appreciate as much when i'm younger but now looking back i, I see um her influence was there and that it was impactful yeah, that's interesting. And she, of course, she was very much against your path initially because she thought you're going to go burn in the basement, as to, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, quite interesting because, uh, as many Christians can be, and in other religions too, the whole "this is the only way" or "going to hell" uh, type of philosophy or religion that gets mixed into it. And she very much had that. And so, uh, yeah, when I first had come to Adaria, she was sending letters all the time and and worrying but but it's interesting as our as time goes by now me and her can, can get along so nicely and um and she just sees that we could we agree on so many things and how spirituality is born and she almost doesn't see it as much as she used to she certainly never mentions anymore like well you have, you have to forget that other stuff and only say jesus you know so there's nothing nothing like that anymore so it's quite nice now <laughs> oh that's fantastic that's nice yeah. she's still alive she must be like 90 years or something yeah, she's uh, mid eighties now. Yeah, she's still still going strong. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, I guess I did want to ask you, like, you had that one experience with the girl talking about rainbows. That was like the first kind of like you started thinking about it consciously. <laughs> but what about your first actually like spiritual experience? Can you remember that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I'll I'll um I think I'll preface that to kind of by saying what it was that made me kind of reach out for the first time to, to want to reach out to God for help. And, um, and that kind of brought about my path, which, you know, uh, um, resulted in some religious experiences happening. But uh, when I uh, was in high school, I started to really become a super self-conscious person to the point where my mind was really torturing me. So I was just so uh, comparing myself to everyone and thinking about if I'm good enough and if I'm smart enough and if I'm, you know, a typical self-conscious or really self-conscious uh, way that teenagers can be. And I was to an extreme level. And um, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, so it was, it was very extreme. And it went on for, for several years um, during my high school years. Um, and, you know, I could hide it. Um, for many people, so many people wouldn't have an idea that I had that I don't think but but I was certainly suffering in my mind to the extent that anytime I'm having a conversation with new people I'm thinking about all these stuff and I just couldn't, couldn't even relax and it, it really got to a point where I was one day I was just like was like ah just like I was calling out like I need to overcome this like please help me I can't do it because I tried all these things to do it I, it's interesting I even started so maybe this points towards some uh, past being spirit, uh, spiritual life, but I, I would make these mantras in my head um, that were only, it was only about material stuff because I hadn't come into contact with anything yet, but just saying like, you're, you're good enough. If you just be yourself and, and be as sincere as you can, you're going to be good enough. You don't have to worry. And I would try to say these things to calm myself down, um, but they would, it, you know, it, was, it would never work. It was never enough. And, and I just, like I said, one day just got so bad and I was just like screaming, like, I need help. I can't do this. Like God help me to like overcome this. I almost was like screaming and just like hit this peak of um, being tortured by this. And, and I had like a small relief of like, okay, maybe, maybe someone else can help me. I, mean, I can't do it on my own, but if I call out to God, maybe he can help me. Because of course I did, I did, I did believe in God uh, throughout my whole childhood, although I didn't take it seriously and it wasn't a major factor in my life. I certainly believed in God. Um, and, and this caused me to call out to him. And, and then I remember uh, I wanted to do it more. And I was like, I did such a stereotypical thing and I climbed up a, 
a mountain one night and I was like going to go up to the top and like call out uh, for help and like make this like spiritual pilgrimage or something. And so, and so I, I, I did that and I started getting a little bit of relief um, by, by calling out to God and, 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 and starting to rely on him a little bit more to overcome this, this self-consciousness and everything. And uh, so that, that was a bit of a, an early religious experience too. I guess the first time when I called out, when I called out to him this way. I gotta know, were you actually screaming like physically at the top of the mountain? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think I was, I think I was screaming in my room too, but I think I must've been home alone because no one came checking to see if I had gone crazy. <laughs> so yeah, things just got to let it, let it out, I guess. <laughs> so how old were you at this point? Uh, so, uh, let's see, this time was my late teens. And so this was, uh, getting pretty close to when I came to Adari. So I was probably 18. It's between 17 and 18 during this, this stage where I started praying more, started calling out for help because I, I couldn't do it on my own essentially. Yeah. And then how did you, um, what happened then? Like, how did you find Gaudiya <laughs> Vaishnavism? Because clearly it's right around that time when you found the Gita, right? Yes. So, so yes, this was uh, around the time I was 18 and finishing high school. And um, then I decided to go uh, to college, nearby college. Um, I was just taking a generic classes, like a business class uh, or business uh, regiment or something at college. And uh, I had uh, an English class and um, I had an English teacher who was an Indian guy. And uh, he, it turns out he was not a Gaudiya Vaishnava, but he was a Hindu. And, um, and a couple of things happened in that class. First thing that happened is he, during one class, he, he happened to bring up something about peace of mind. Uh, it was in, in regard to maybe one of the stories or lessons in class. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, it came up that uh, peace of mind is the most valuable thing. Just a simple lesson like this, no matter what cars you have or riches, if you have peace of mind, if you don't have peace of mind, you won't be happy. And if you have peace of mind, you don't need any of that and you'll still be happy. And that struck me so much because I was like, yeah, if I just had peace in my mind, I want that so bad because my mind is always, I could control the, the spinnings and worrying of my mind. And so it really resounded with me. And then um, maybe in the next few classes after that, um, he one day handed out a flyer. And he, I guess, actually taught Bhagavad Gita classes on the side, outside of the school. And um, But this flyer advertised that, but it also just advertised some about the book, the Bhagavad Gita. And it said, you know, this book is um, has some ancient wisdom, something like this. And so because he had previously said thing about peace of mind, it put me in such a place to be, so I saw this book and I was like, oh, this book is probably having to do with what he said. It must have like some ancient secrets or something in the in this book. I imagine like some sages in the desert writing this book or something, I don't know. But uh, but anyway, I was in the right space to get this book. And so I was like, I'm, I'm gonna get this book and, and see if I can get this peace of mind he's saying. And so, I, I went online to search. I remember looking through a couple of Bhagavad Gita's and um, I think there was two I looked at. One was like a very short one. I think it was a Bhagavad Gita um, with no purports or something. And then I second one I came across was Prabhupada's Gita, um, the Bhagavad Gita as it is. And I remember it because the as it is, that's what I wanted to buy. So oh, this is as it is. So it must be the best one as it is. So I ordered this one. And um, yes, so then I, I, the book came and this was my first experience with, with devotion. And I was just in, by, by grace in the right mood to read this book because that experience had happened. And I was just thinking like, well, this is this magical book that's coming from the peace of mind. And I was just in the space to accept it all. Like I was really in a good space to read this book. So I started reading it and um, I was so amazed. And, and every chapter I was looking forward to reading the next chapter and just getting the answers to all these questions I didn't even know I had a question for them. And, you know, I was, I was so inspired. I remember learning like, oh, I'm not, I'm really not the body and doing these crazy things. Like I'm going to put my hand under really hot water and experience this or something like really stupid stuff as a kid. But it was because I was so, you know, inspired by this and thinking all this stuff was, or believing in all this stuff, um, having faith in this stuff. Um, and I remember realizing, realizing for the first time that, wow, I'm, I'm actually understanding what the soul is and I'm like a part of Krishna and he's like the source and he's like, we're, we're to serve him as a part of him and having that conception for the first time and it was just blown open. So, um, 
uh, it was uh, just my, I knew my life was completely changed. I, I thought I had found like the most secret book. I didn't know anything about the devotees or, or anything, but I was like, this is amazing. And I remember the first thing I did because I was, uh, you know, like I said, like a typical kid and, you know, kids are pretty selfish really. And so for instance, I mean, not that I, people would say I was a nice kid, but I wasn't out there to like give to people and stuff. And so I remember after reading one chapter, my, my dad was, outside working because we had a big house and a big yard and my dad's a very hardworking guy and he's always out doing yard work and you know sometimes he would tell us to do chores and stuff and we'd do it of course but we would never volunteer to help if we weren't asked to do some work outside or something and but anyway I was reading some chapters and learning about to give to be to do devotion and I was like man I have to do this so I remember going out and offering my dad to help work in the yard or something for the first time and I was like oh this is what I should do and I remember it felt so good even though I was course the little misdirected a bit but his first time trying to aim in the right direction of giving in this way and, and he was a little shocked like oh okay you want to help okay you know, and it, it felt real good so uh but yes yeah, so i had this this was my first time uh, having the experience of of um of bhakti and and devotion and the philosophy and i remember it, uh telling some i thought i was gonna like tell my friends you guys, I found this like crazy, this book, you guys will not believe this, but I, I thought they were going to read it too. And like, they were going to, like they had some secret, they were going to, um, which is true. It is, but of course not everyone is ready to, to read this and, and feel that, uh, the, you know, have, be ready to re to be receptive to it. And, um, so I think my friends were like, Whoa, uh, what's going on with this guy. And I remember, uh, also, like I started getting in my room because uh, I was a typical kid. Like I said, I had, I don't know, pictures of cars or something in my room, maybe some race cars or maybe, I don't know, stuff like a teenager guy would have. And then I started getting pictures of Krishna and I put like the picture with the swing, uh, Radha and Krishna on the swing. And I remember my, my parents started thinking like, what is this? Because as a devotional person, it's a beautiful picture, but as someone completely outside of the sphere, maybe it looks like something that would be in a young girl's room or something, you know, just them on the swing and the, so they were just my parents were just like what is going on but i was just all in and just filling my room with the pictures and um yeah so maybe i'll pause there because i talked for quite a bit but i can continue but i don't know if you want to if i should just keep i can i can keep going or if you uh need to direct me at all i, want I, to uh, I just i had a couple of thoughts um yes one is, of course it's, it's this is so nice again it's like when you have those past sums cars and then when something clicks, like how you were saying that you were just like completely open to it all of a sudden, like you just believed everything that the, the book was saying. Yeah. And it's so cool, like that you didn't show any sign really before that you had any interest even in, in that. But yeah. then once it happened, like, like you can't relate to the Gita on that level if you don't have the past samskars. And it's just like such a nice reminder. It's one of those things that it just opens up and you reconnect with your past and then you take a totally different direction and like yeah. i can imagine for your parents like because they don't obviously they don't see that part of it what they see is a you know well-adjusted kid who's into race cars and then all of a sudden there's this picture of this young couple swinging on a like, i know the painting there's all these flowers yes. on the yeah road. it's like like very feminine from that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're 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 not sure what was going on there, <laughs> but yeah, yes, totally. And yeah, I guess then I'm interested. Uh, unless you have something you want to add, but what I was interested in is, is like, okay, so you you were fully convinced of uh, Pakti, the Pakti philosophy, and then you wanted to connect with devotees. So, like, what did you do next? Like, and how fast did that happen from the initial blow, the mind blowing? Yeah. So uh, I think. Sure. I, after I finished the book, I, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if there you know, are people that live by this book or some, you know, some temples or something where people do this. So I had the desire to, to search for this after I read the Bhagavad Gita. And I, I, um, I, I was trying to remember what I searched, like what I typed in, but I couldn't remember. But so whatever it was, uh, by some mercy, the first thing that popped up when I decided I wanted to find some, some people who were into this book was the very first or maybe, uh, maybe not the very first but an old one old version of the swami.org site um so and it's funny because i think in the book it says something like call this number to reach an iskon temple or something but i never saw this so i, I didn't even know about iskon until after i came to it which is kind of funny but <laughs> but um 
uh, yeah, so I, I found the original Swami site and I wrote because uh, I had a general contact email. And I said, you know, I just read this book and I'm so inspired and I, I, I'm interested to like be around people who, um, who, who are into this book. And it was actually uh, Mr. Chittahari was the, the first devotee I spoke to then. So he replied back to me and I was actually looking through some of the old emails to remind myself. And he told me like the rundown of what the, the life was like as a monk in Adarya. And, um, and it was very encouraging and, and saying, you know, how, how much the life is wonderful if you are um, suited for this life. Uh, so I, course, I corresponded to him a few times. And um, then he forwarded the emails to, to Gurmaraj. And then Gurmaraj reached out for me for the first time. Ah, and I should remember one thing. He had mentioned to me that um, Gurmaraj was the disciple of, of Prabhupada. And it's funny because for me, this was like, I was like, it was like so mind blowing because again, I didn't know that who, if he had disciples in India or like five disciples or something. And I was like, no way. He's a disciple of the guy who wrote the book. And so I was like super amazed. And, and I was like, this is unbelievable. And then, um, uh, yeah, so he uh, forwarded the emails to Gurumaj and the Gurumaj wrote to me and I was, um, and he was, saying very encouraging things about about the faith and um he was he mentioned things about how he um ran away to be a monastic and and how it can be um if you have the faith this can be the absolute best thing you can do with your life and um um and at that point i uh, after talking with chudahari a few times i was expressing some interest that i might want to try this to, to live uh, at adaria and so he was encouraging me, but also in a very balanced way. Um, you know, you're saying it, you have to see your nature. You have to, it might be that you should finish school first and then come. Um, but we, let's keep um, communicating. And I recommend you to read my books. And so I did. I read, I read Gurmarsh's Bhagavad Gita and, and got more inspired. And, um, and, and, and I started deciding I, I, would, I want to go. I want to try. And, and Gurmarsh kept encouraging me. Um, I was, of course, very afraid to... to talk to the parents about this um, as they, I knew this would be a hard pill for them to accept. So Gurmaj gave me some advice on how, how, to, how to speak with them. And I said, maybe I just want to write them a letter because I was honestly too, too scared to, to tell them, I think I was chickening out. So I went that route and I, I wrote a letter. Um, very nice one, I think, just describing how I was so, this changed my life. I'm so inspired now and, and I want to do this. I remember saying one thing, like, it's not that I don't see you guys as my family, I want to, that I want to abandon my family or something. I said, I want to see everyone as my family or something like this. I had said, I remember my dad appreciated this thing in the letter. Um, and, but my mom was uh, much as she's more emotional for sure. She was just in big shock and, and had a very hard time to accept. And, um, and she, she didn't want me to go. And uh, so then we went through some weeks of talking about this and, and I was trying to get them to understand my dad he's going to let me do what um, I'm going to do that's kind of his nature he certainly probably didn't want me to go either but my mom really didn't want me to go that was also putting pressure on him and um, so some back and forth went and then it kind of reached the boiling points where my mom was realizing more and more that I did really want to go and so she had her kind of final outburst of like you know, you can't do this. You're being selfish. We've done so much to raise you. And you're just, you know, from her Anglo vision, I can totally understand as well. Like it's as a mother, especially to have your kid just out of high school to want to run away to some strange place and they don't have any understanding. So I completely understand where she was coming from, but I had hoped I could convince her. I couldn't. So she had her boiling points and I realized, oh man, they're, they're not going to let me go. They're not going to let me go. And it's going to start getting rough around here. So I realized I had to go uh, immediately. And so I told Gurmaj, Gurmaj, it's, it's, it's really not going well. I don't think there's anything I can do but to just come. And, and I feel like I should come. And he said, well, he encouraged me in that way. He said, um, well, you should do it. And so uh, I, I was working at a, at a grocery store that time. And I bought the, the ticket the same day my mom had the outburst. I, I went to the airport and got a ticket to go to California first time going there first time going to the plane by myself and but Gurmaraj was just like and Vrindarani both they were um, very um, kind and saying don't worry we'll pick you up at the airport we'll take care of everything even if you come with just ticket don't worry everything will be okay so it was very nice very welcoming and um, and so I went and 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 the, the flight went fine and I got to the airport and 
both Guru Maharaj and Vrindarani were there and just super welcoming. And I remember seeing Guru Maharaj for the first time. I didn't know what to do, so but he gave me a hug. So I was very blessed. I didn't know it's a bow or anything, and but he gave me mercy in this way and was just so warm and welcoming, and as was Vrindaranya. And um, yeah, I just felt like, oh, here's here's my family. And um, I think we went to Govinda's restaurant to have a little food and then drove up to, to Adarya um, for the first time. And I remember seeing that at that time that there was no temple. So the temple was in Guru Maharaj's house. The deities were there and we got there a little before Artik. So I got to come to the first Artik and walk in and I had never seen deities or Kirtan or anything before. So that was really amazing too. Just like seeing uh, Gorni Thai and hearing the Kirtan. It was really otherworldly, of course, to, uh, to see that for the first time. It was a very amazing experience. So maybe I'll pause there for a moment, but that's how I ended up at, at Adarya for the first time. So like you basically left, did you even pack anything or you just like left straight from the gro grocery store? I, I brought one suitcase with me. So I think I, I brought a few changes of clothes um, and maybe a sleeping bag. I think that's it though. So I didn't have too much. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, the grocery store, I was wondering why I didn't show up to work the next day. And <laughs> I was in California. <laughs> <laughs> so this must have been 2004, right? Yes. Yep. Early 2004 in the winter, January. Okay. That was, that's funny. That's exactly a year before I came to Audaria. Mm -hmm. So then, um, so you came in the winter, and there were just a, a couple of devotees here. I was Guru Maharaj Vindaranya, Chidahari, and was Sham still here, or had he? No, left? it was um, it was Chidahari, uh, a devotee, um, Dal Govinda, and Vindaranya were the three that were there when I when I came. Okay, and yeah. so I I kind of recall that the summer of two thousand and four, there was a lot going on. Tarun came right, and then there were other. Yeah. People too sure. so can you can you tell us a little bit about what it was like how how mm -hmm. was it for you like and everything and just tell us something about that yeah it was it was it was so very nice um i think i was i was fitting in quite nicely um all, everyone there was was very kind and welcoming to me and um uh yeah tarun krishna also came uh which was nice because he was another guy right around the same age as me so that was nice to have him there so much relate to kind of on the younger guy level um uh, he wasn't there the whole time but he came for maybe a month or two months and that was a uh, nice uh, companionship we had when he was there um and yeah so there was no temple but there was lots of work in the gardens lots of cow seva uh there was i remember we got the first cows post uh bumi and dharma at that time and and there was kishore and uh seva and i think one other one maybe galok or i forget the other one but we, we had all these little cows uh which was so exciting and and um there was big seva around that uh i know vrindarani was very kind to me while i was there as a young guy and she was giving me some private lessons with the gita she was we were trying to memorize all the chapters of the gita and doing some lessons with that so that was very uh very big blessing to have her helping me with that kind of stuff and uh, we also i did get to take one trip with gumar she went down to los angeles for a, a speaking tour and so that was a whole big event and very to travel with him and go to this uh event sorry let me put my thing i do not disturb sorry about that oops okay i'm back okay sorry about that so um yes and uh yeah so i was i was there for this was the first time i went and uh, it was a wonderful experience but there were some issues so i uh my parents of course had not just forgotten about me and uh or my grandmother and so groomers had to have a lot of patience to deal with a lot of uh we had landlines back then still and my my parents were, were frequent callers of the the ashram to especially my mom to want to talk to me and, and and see i'm doing but also see if they can get me to come back and so there was a lot of pressure there and then um you know i i as everyone does you have the initial um burst of, of faith and, and power from that and i certainly had had and riding on that and had and, and done well by that and uh but we do come back down to earth a little bit and and you know, i was coming out of pure materialism truly just as a not in a bad way but just as a all-american guy is in pure materialism i guess and so i had a lot of samskar for that and um over time as the months went on uh, along with the my 
starting to miss the family a bit and, and feeling bad for the family so they couldn't understand and also starting to think well maybe I, maybe I can't do this as a month maybe there's a lot of stuff I still want to experience so I started having these thoughts the parents continuing to uh, ask me to come back so I was having doubts that maybe I'm not ready yet maybe I need to go back to um, uh, a more household life for some time and so I, I had told I talked to Gurmash first and said I was having these feelings like this. Um, and he, he encouraged me that I could make it. He said, you know, this, you know, it's normal that people will go through this, but I really, he, he believed in me. Of course, he sees our highest potential even beyond what maybe we're really at. So this is our great blessing from him, but uh, he, he encouraged me to stay. Um, and, and, I, and I thought uh, I would continue to try to stay. Uh, and then uh, I continued to struggle a bit uh, with the same issues. And so, and then one, one time my parents really convinced me and they said they were gonna, you know, uh, they're gonna pay for the ticket and just go down and we'll, we'll take care of everything. Um, please come back. And I was decided I, I had to go back. I, I, the Maya had won the battle for, for this round, for this moment anyway, small moment. And, but uh, I, I was too, I was too ashamed and too embarrassed and I didn't want to, to let Grimmars down. So I, I couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell him that I, I decided to go. So I, I left um, kind of in the night. And, you know, of course I left a long email explaining everything and that I loved Gumaraj and I loved everyone and I had my faith, but I, I just had to go um, for now. And so I kind of left the way I came, running away a bit. Um, uh, I had actually walked down all the way down to Philo from, from Adaria and then took the bus and, and flew back uh, to, to my parents where I then lived for about five years, um, uh, just doing kind of regular stuff. I was working hotel. I still had my faith completely the whole time. And although my practice certainly uh, lessened from being away from Adaria, that's for sure. I, I still practiced and, um, uh, and yeah, I was away for about five years. Um, Let's talk a little bit there. I, I want to ask a little bit more about when you left in the night. First of all, that's a really long way to walk. It's like by car, it's 20 minutes. So like, yeah, long it was a few hours with luggage too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it was at least two hours. Um, but I remember it was a very bright night, full moon, so I could see. And uh, but it's yeah, kind of a sad, sad memory, this walk. It's not as, yeah. not as good as running away to Adaria is the better one to think about. Yeah, but, for some reason that running away in the night has become one of those like Audaria classic stories. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. it's obviously not to like like pull you down or anything like that, but it's just that oh, sure. there's a lot about how intense it can get. Yeah, and that's true. So, so I always heard the story that you left a note on the pillow. Is that not accurate? For my parents, uh, I did leave a note for them. For oh, Garage, that way around. Okay. I left Garage. Uh, oh, did I leave one on the pillow? Now that you mention it, it might have been I printed something. Yes, I did. Yeah, there was. Okay. That's right. Okay. I think I had left a note for everyone on the pillow too. That's true. And I emailed <laughs> as well. That's right. So I'm actually gonna use that. I'm I'm uh, kind of I've been thinking of this like devotional novel, and I'm gonna use that the 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 protagonist escapes the ashram in the beginning and he leaves a note on the pillow. So thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I wanted to mention one thing while it's on my mind, uh, just to glorify Gurmaraj, how kind he is to us. Because um, later I, I come back to Adaria, which we'll probably talk about soon here, hopefully. And um, uh, one morning I was uh, just uh, sleeping in, I guess. And so I didn't show up to the morning program. Uh, of course, we have to wake up very early. So sometimes we would be guilty of this as monks. At least I was once in a while to miss a morning arctic. And this is one of the few I missed. And um, I remember Gurmaj was concerned because I wasn't there. And he actually sent someone down to look for me to make sure everything was okay. I hadn't run away again or something. So he was just very concerned and just wanting to make sure I was there. And okay, I remember just feeling like, oh my God, I felt so embarrassed that I didn't go to Mongol Arctic and then so heartwarmed that he was, you know, thinking of me like that. And he's just cared about all the all the monks in this way and all the all his disciples, of course. But that's very nice. Yeah, that's a nice one. Um, so then you said you you worked in a hotel. You were a manager at a hotel, right? Yes. And and then so but the the good old you know monastic samskar started pulling on you again right so what yeah. what happened then so yeah truthfully in that five years there's really not much exciting so we can really skip over most most of this until that point happened where 
at the final hotel I was working at, um, I could go on the computers from time to time when it was slow and I was on the Top Vivek website and it was after uh, a festival had just happened. And I, I of course, I would keep, would, uh, you know, keep track, uh, keep up with the devotees to an extent. Um, but I was really sitting down and just seeing how happy the devotees were at, at this festival that had happened at Adaria recently and just started missing everyone, missing being there. Just, just like came back, like, like, a, like a, it just came back to me, like, what am I doing? I need to get back to, to being, uh, to going all out and being with Guru and being with the devotees. So it's kind of a random thing, but I remember the, the time perfectly. I wasn't really in a desperate time of need, um, uh, but I was certainly in a reduced state of practice as being on my own for five years will probably result anyone being in. And I had at that moment just been looking through the top of the lake and, and seeing the pictures and something just clicked. And so I was, I was desiring again to, to want to go back. And I, I wrote Guru Maharaj and, and was just like saying, you know, um, maybe being a little dramatic, but trying to be humble with saying like, I, I never should have left. And I, you know, I'll come back even if I can stay in the closet or something. Of course, he would never even want anyone to do that. But I was just saying things like this. And he, of course, just welcomed me back um, almost right away that I could come try again. And, uh, and so then I decided I would go back. So I quit uh, the, the hotel and started planning to come back to Adaria for a second time. And at this time, actually, you had reached out to me uh before which was very encouraging too and very nice i remember also when at adari whenever somebody new was coming i would always get so exciting it's like your brother is coming someone that's so into this like you and you just want to like, wow you're really coming too this is so cool huh so i felt like that energy coming from you and i remember giving that feeling that towards uh the other devotees that came after i came um but uh it was this time i stayed for much longer uh, a little short of five years uh four and a half years or something and um, uh, had so many wonderful experiences. This time the temple was built, so I, I feel bad. I missed out on this, probably the most grueling chapter of work at Adaria, which we all know from your interview. Came a little after that, which is nice for me, I suppose, but, um, uh, but it's very great to come and see the temple um, built. And um, of course there was uh, quite a big crew of devotees um, changing a bit throughout the time I was there, um, but just amazing uh, festivals, so much service, cow service, um, gardening. Um, I, I was lucky to travel with Guru Maharaj one time to uh, one Europe trip was, was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had um, to get some one-on-one -on -one time with Guru Maharaj and also meet all these new devotees. We went to England. We went to Krakow, which is funny because it was such a foreign place to me. And if you told me at that time I would end up living in Poland 12 years later or something, I would say that's insane, but here I am in Poland. And, and we also went to Finland to uh, Kamalakshankar Island, which, man, was so amazing. It was in the midsummer with a perfect weather and the midnight sun never goes down and just idyllic place with such amazing classes. It was so amazing. So, so much mercy and such a wonderful time. Uh, while, and uh, while I was, and I also got to go to Madhavan and spend time there. Um, I think the longest time I spent there was six months at a time. I didn't get to experience a rainy season, so I don't get the full Madhavan uh, credentials for sure. But I did spend a lot of time there. And, uh, and that place is so beautiful and special. Um, but uh, one major change I started, so it was wonderful. I, I had so, so many blessings and and increased my faith so much of being around the devotees and serving during this time there. Um, and one major event um, that would shape the next chapter of my life that happened while I was uh, living at Adari the second time was uh, starting to fundraise for Gurmarash. So uh, Tarun, again, who I met the first time, he was still around, of course, and, uh, and I was close with him. And he came up with a great idea uh, as he was having a lot of success uh, selling luxury bed sheets at state fairs or carnivals. Sounds very random. And that uh, you imagine if you go to a carnival or a state fair, you don't think you're buying bed sheets. You think you're buying funnel cakes and ice cream, but it's a thing. And people go line up and even fight for the last color for these bed sheets at, at the state fairs. So uh, he had the, uh, he, he uh, had a connection with these Chinese guys that imported them and, and would give commission to people who would sell the sheets for them. So uh, I joined on i was the first one to sign up i guess with um tarun and other devotees did this too but i think i i did it the most it became like one of my major savers and um it, it was quite interesting and uh it was a great service to do 
Uh, groomers really appreciate it. And I wanted to, when I was bringing this up, I wanted to mention, uh, of course, because there was one devotee who has kind of fallen down, who spoke very poorly as if Gurmaraj was like really making people work in some unfortunate way. But Gurmaraj, uh, first of all, we all really wanted to do this. And Gurmaraj appreciated us doing all the devotees, because there's so many people that worked at these fairs, actually, I think it may be a dozen. And he was so appreciative of everyone that, that did that service. He mentioned something like, you know, these devotees have, have, have built the temple, talking about you and, and, and Chittahari, and now you guys are helping to pay for this. And it's so special to me, he said something like this. Um, so he, he appreciated it so much. And we were really inspired to, to have, like we had some, okay, this is like direct service, groomers wants this. We were so, uh, you know, amped up to do this. And, um, and so um, I tried and I had good success. Troon taught me his sales skills and, and uh, I, I ended up being a pretty good sales guy. And uh, actually uh, the Chinese guys wanted me to do all their fairs. They wanted me at every one. So I, I just, I told Gumaraj I had success and I was liking it okay. And um, I, I wanted to keep doing it. So it was nice. We were able to raise a lot of money doing this. Um, and what would happen is I would go do the fairs. They would go for some months and I would travel from fair to fair. And then on the off season for the other half of the year, come back maybe to Madhavan or, or Daria. And so it was like this for a few years. And it was, it was quite nice. I was really, it was really a good balance for me. Um, maybe because uh, maybe I was starting to have a little bit of a, the challenge that almost everyone does when they're living, you know, not many people are cut out to be a monk and, over some time, many people start to have some pulls. And this was a good balance for me because I had some kind of, I don't know, some independence a little bit. And it was very nice for a while. Um, and, uh, but over time, uh, it, it was a bit much, this, this, the atmosphere only. Uh, you can imagine if you were to compare Adaria and uh, a carnival, it's like literally like Maya personified or something. And there's a lot of nice people in, in the, these carnivals and stuff, but there's a lot of people that, fit the stereotype as well. Um, so it was a, it was a pretty crazy environment. And, um, and also I was, you know, I, I had a lot of independence all of a sudden. And so this started my next shift to maybe realize I did want some independence. Um, and I did want some, uh, yeah, some independence. So, uh, I started making a shift maybe towards the last year of, um, doing this for Grimraj that, uh, I would spend a little time with, with my parents. I would take a small portion of the, the earnings, but of course give most of it to just to have enough for me to travel to see my parents and this kind of thing. So I started transitioning a little bit more away to some kind of hybrid setup, I suppose. Um, and then this went on for, for a while. And, and then next I uh, started feeling the pangs of a relationship and I ended up getting uh, married. Uh, well, I ended up desiring to get married and express that to Gumraj and I and I met my first wife uh, who was a Christian mystic so it was a very interesting uh, relationship uh, it's a Christian sect that believes in reincarnation they meditate they don't think their religion is the only way they just think it's the best way for them which hey, we can only agree with that and um, uh, so we we both were uh, valued spirituality and had a very successful and good marriage truthfully for um, uh, five or six years um, but at the end of the marriage, our, um, our, our differences, because even if you both appreciate, if you don't share the same religion, it can be hard. And we both realized in our case, we were watering down our, uh, our, our spiritual life a little bit by being together and we could live more full if we were to separate. So it was kind of a very, um, a very uh, intelligent and uh, spiritual way, I guess, to have a divorce if that's possible. But it, we, we realized it would be better for us both and we parted in very good ways with, with no remorse or no bad feelings. And, and um, so, sorry, I'm trying to go a little faster so I can cover it to get to the end of the story so I can get to the next questions. But so I was married, um, we got divorced. And after I got divorced, I decided that, um, I, so I, I need to put into action what we said, our lives are a bit watered down. So I need to be around devotees again. I moved to North Carolina because at the time there was that Nanda Ashram there and a lot of devotees in that area. So I moved to a town nearby. I was very excited too. I got a job transfer from my work in the cell phones. And um, then COVID happened. So everything shut down. My job was like shut down. And out of the blue, which I didn't expect, you actually had reached out to me. Um, I had been writing to Groomers a little bit, just telling him my situation, telling him I'm feeling expired and good. And but then you reached out and uh, 
and suggested maybe there could be a mutually beneficial situation as you were doing, I think, the work of three men, at least, at Adaria with running the dairy and everything else at Adaria by yourself. And um, you suggested that uh, you guys could use an extra hand there. And um, my situation was totally in flux because of COVID and everything. So um, it's just the perfect situation um, to come back. And man, coming back there was just, I was there a little over a year and just so amazing, so helpful for my spiritual life. Such a blessing, truly, and um, uh, so many nice memories. Um, Guru Maharaj would often have, he always did a morning program. So, sometimes it's me and him that have a, a, a morning program singing Nishi Sheshagora, and I just couldn't believe I was there with him. And, and, and you came to the programs with us too, and just such an intimate and, and special, the best place you could be during COVID. Man, like the COVID lockdowns were the best, the, the best for me to be there. So that truly, I'm so blessed to be able to come back for that third time and be, being able to help a little bit. I was happy to have, have a service opportunity. Um, and, uh, and then I got married again, long story short. I knew I wanted, I had the pangs for a relationship again, but I wanted to be with a devotee. And uh, I met my current wife, Harilila, who most of you probably know, on a spiritual dating website. And uh, we, I didn't recognize her at first, but saw a devotee and reached out. And then she said, hey, aren't you that guy I met in Madhavan 10 years ago? And I said, oh, no way. And so that's kind of the cool story how we met. And we were doing the video chatting for a while and decided we would give it a go. And I came out to Poland to meet her and see if we would uh, have some success in our marriage. And I'm still here now. It's been two years. And having some success now in my life, uh, living in Poland, um, continuing my, my practice um, with her. And we're in a good location now, just an hour from where Guru comes for the festivals every year. We just had a festival uh, a few months ago, which was just, they're so amazing. And so that's where I am now. So. I will, I will let you take over. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent story. Um, so we moved back here, me and Vindrana, in 2019. But, and I wanted to make a small correction. I wasn't doing everything alone. Actually, even Guru Maharaj had to do things. And he's still doing things, actually. But yeah. Vindrana was also just like busting her butt like anything. So we're oh, all... Yeah. But then, yeah, Vindrana started getting... Um, really tired from it all and so did guru march and so the, it, a lot of it did fall on me because of that by circumstance but yeah that was uh, that was so interesting how the whole thing happened that i had this idea like yeah we gotta get a buy here <laughs> yeah and uh, I mean. yeah I, I remember too like you were driving through the country and they were like the black lives matter thing was really happening back then and there were like riots here and you were saying oh there's a riot i gotta take another route or something it was just so wild uh, and like even at the gas stations the money the bathrooms were closed so like when you're taking a cross-country trip you can't even go to the bathroom i guess you'd have to stop at the at the on the side of the road or something so yeah it was a bit intense this ride there that's true yeah and it was <laughs> right really when the peak of covid yeah yeah, peak of COVID and peak of the, the Black Lives Matter versus right. the Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah. yeah, and it was so interesting to me about that time was that everybody now says, like, nobody was saved from the trauma of COVID. I didn't even notice any COVID. Like, we were just doing our thing here. The only difference was that I had to put a mask on when I went to the store once a week. Like, we yeah. were actually, it was crazy to watch sometimes we didn't really even watch the news or follow the news we were just doing our thing here but like it was so crazy whenever we did and it was like holy crap like the world's burning and we're just like happily doing our thing here yeah, no we were, totally yeah it was i mean that was the best place to be during uh, covid so thank you for inviting me that was a miracle it was <laughs> yeah, definitely a mutually a little bubble of like covid was not existing it was amazing yeah yeah we were outside the the virus <laughs> yes Okay, yes. me, yeah, go ahead if you have anything to add. Well, I wanted to go back because, well, you might have, you were maybe going to ask this anyway, but the one question uh, uh, on here was saying, what was your most amazing uh, spiritual experience, your most impactful one, which you kind of asked, but I, I didn't quite answer this one. So I wanted to make sure I did, um, because I know um, when other devotees mention these things, it's very uh uh, impactful for the faith of others and inspiring to hear these things. So I wanted to share my uh, small miracle, I guess, that I had. Um, and this was when I was at Adaria for the very first time. And um, this was certainly something way above my eligibility, 100%. 
um, as a blessing from 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 being in the, in the Holy Dom and Guru Maharaj is all I could say. But um, I remember asking Dial Dial Govinda, who was the um, uh, devotee there at the time, uh, just some question about chanting. I asked him, "What? How do you know if you're if you're chanting? Uh, how do you know if you're chanting right in the right way?" And he he just said something. Oh, you'll know. You'll know something like this. And so um, didn't make too much of it. But then uh, in the next day, um, and this is more proof that this what happened is definitely well beyond my eligibility. I didn't earn it in any way. Um, because you think if you have some religious experience, it'll be in the depths of deep meditation or something. I was uh, going to lay down for a nap as uh, this can be uh, something you really uh, need sometimes living in the Adarya life, you know, we're a little bit sleep deprived quite often in those days. And if you have time for a nap, it's going to be a big pleasure. And you kind of need one from time to time too. But anyway, I was going to take a nap and I think I was just about to fall asleep. And then that what Dalgovinda said came into my head and it was like some other voice and it just said, you'll know, you'll know. And it was very crazy. So my spine was like physically like electricity or something, my entire spine. And it was like emotional electricity or something. And I was just crying and crying. And um, you know, I didn't see Krishna or something like this. Of course, I'm not eligible for that. But I just felt like the presence. I felt like faith. I just felt like complete faith. And it was, I don't know how else to describe it, but like, but it was really like a, a physical thing. My, my spine just completely almost electricized and the light was coming through the room. And I was just like filled with emotion, crying and just feeling like complete faith. God is here, something like this. And it went on for a few minutes and I was crying and crying and just like, wow, like I just got like touched by bhakti or something. This is how I felt. Um, and so uh, I went and remember I told Gurmash that it happened. I didn't know, like maybe I, maybe this was really special. Gurmash would think it's cool. But, you know, he was like, oh, it's, it's very nice, right? It's a very nice thing. And But of course he didn't make some big deal of it or something. He said, okay, so keep practicing, you know, keep practicing. And uh, but it was, it was an amazing blessing for me, um, completely out of the blue, just to have this blessing. And from this, I, I always was able to have something else to lean back on, you know, because, uh, you know, it's really true that, you know, faith is not something that you're going to make in your mind from figuring it out a certain way or, or deciding a certain way mentally, intellectually. And this really helped me because I struggled with that um, as I spent time in the ashrams, I would have more doubts come and unanswerable questions would bother me, these kinds of things. So this came as a really huge blessing for me to have this uh, small experience um, to always fall back on. If I had some unanswerable question, I could just think back to this moment and be like, well, there's nothing that's gonna beat that. And, and so it was, this was a, my spiritual miracle, my spiritual blessing that, that happened for me. You know, what's really interesting is I had a somewhat of a similar experience when I came to Audaria. And mm -hmm. I haven't really talked about this to many people, but it just came to my mind now that you were talking about it. I was chanting in the temple, the old temple room in the morning. And then all of a sudden I had that exact same feeling that my whole spine was like electricity and it, it kept rising to my head. And I had this like incredible sense of expansion. And I mean, wow. in the yogic tradition, there is this, they talk about the Kundalini uh force but also the thing is that I, i'm pretty sure i have to look into it but the way i remember it is that the goswamis talk about you know when there's like sattvika bhavs and stuff that the they explain it somehow like the suda sattva rides the pran or something so like it could be a glimpse of that or something like that that the you know it's and yes. so it's so interesting that it, i had a very i mean i i wasn't crying because i was in the temple room but i felt like crying you know and so yeah. it's very interesting that there are you know these are like real things and there's similarities yeah. and everything so it's yeah, pretty amazing they had the same thing with the spine and everything but yeah it was like it was, and i thought of that too like the kundalini it's like so anyway that, that that's where your you know your chakras are and it's more connected to your spirit so it makes sense that you might have the yeah the feeling of electricity come there right right um, um Let's see, I wanted to ask, okay, so we're close to running out of time, but one thing I wanted to uh, ask you before I ask for questions from the 
two people audience <laughs> is, is that um, you've been asking a lot of questions to Guru March recently on the Swami call about this kind of like tra transforming your faith from this like heady faith to like the faith of the heart. So uh, I really appreciate that. I know Guru March really has appreciated that mood. And I would just like to hear you talk a little bit about that and like what's happening with you in terms of your spiritual evolution. Like where are all these questions coming from? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this has been, I think my main uh, struggle maybe in one of the struggles in spiritual life has been uh, overcoming my mind um, as far as my mind being the ultimate gatekeeper in moving in my faith. So, you know, Grimmers always says the thing, suspicion leads to suspension. And I would often have, not often, because sometimes I would, you know, be in the faith but quite strongly. But uh, if my mind had some doubt or some, some issue, it would really stop my, 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 my progress, stop my being able to even act in bhakti or something like that. And I remember I had um, one time a kind of a realization of like Krishna is our, is our friend. Like it's, it's a relationship, it's a friend and, and thinking like, so I want to have this relationship with this person, but I'm frequently having some doubt in my mind. My mind is deciding, well, you're going to have to question if this relationship is right or real or according or is working a way, according to the way the mind wants it to be um, before you give love to them or something like that. And I was thinking like, how, how awful is this? Like, I wouldn't even do this with like a, a regular friend or something like, you know, it's just the, the, the question of the friendship is never there. It, you know, it's never in question. And so I had this kind of realization that um, we, that this is a relationship and, and it, how, how awful is that? But I'm always, that I would think um, that I would pause the, the relationship or have these doubts before, before Krishna. And, and I just realized that you're never going to answer you're never going to have all the answers in your mind. And as much as your mind is going to be the chief dictator in what you do, the gatekeeper to only, only go for it. If the mind is appeased, then you can only go that far. And, and the mind doesn't have the you know, capacity to start experiencing, you know, a relationship with Krishna. So I became determined to uh, overcome that to, instead of trying to answer some of these things to, uh, to trust in the heart that I would, would know. Grimaj always says often in a lot of his classes, and I think he said in a recent class too, that if you really trust in Krishna, that you're really, you're going to know everything you need to know. And, and you see how he said that's one of the most important things to him. And, and you see that it's true in him. He, he absolutely has faith in this. So I wanted to try to develop faith like this too, that I, I, I am, you know, sure there's some crazy unanswerable stuff it's just the nature of it the spiritual world is not going to fit into our small mental box and, and realizing how small our mental box is and like to think that we could have any ability to really grasp the spiritual nature is really a crazy thing to even even think that's that's a crazier belief than thinking anything else so yeah i became that's that's my one of the areas of my practice right now i really focus on is to um just try to develop my faith to put my heart and my faith over my mind so i really try to make this a practice um trusting in the feelings you know whatever you know i can always think back to that one you know blessing miracle i had way back when i was a teenager that i mentioned there and any small things like going to the the, the festivals we always have some some little bliss comes through everyone and just having these things be the highest um the highest you know, the gatekeeper, that's the gatekeeper. And if the mind has something, oh, well, this is higher. And so I've been having some success with this has really helped my, my spiritual practice. And yeah, that's why I've asked some questions in regards to that. And um, yeah, I definitely encourage that to everyone to, to your mind is, is never going to um, let you alone. If you leave it as the chief of your intellect, you have to, at some, you have to force it, push it down below the heart and, and you can this experience peace as your faith grows and peace of mind it's just so much more than than any great idea or way that you think you could have figured out something with the intellect
So it really sounds like you're starting to lose your faith in the intellect, which is really nice. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. Your doubts are going from Krishna consciousness to doubting your mind and doubting your like provisional way of seeing life and reality, right? Yeah, I would say that's true. And then certainly in just seeing the intellect for what it is, like we naturally think uh, of the intellect as a God, like whatever it thinks is the highest thing. We have to appease, like we do everything based on that as if it's the highest knowledge in a way. And yeah, so seeing how faulty it is, how exactly. So you, you said that well, and I agree. <laughs> That's very nice. Um, I guess as the last question, I would just like to know, like, what's in the future for Abhay Krishna? Like, what, what are you going to be doing when you're 70 years old or 80 or 90? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this and I don't, I can't say I have, well, um, the only thing that I know for sure is I, I, I want to have my faith be stronger and, and my practice be more steady. I can really sincerely say that that's the one thing I hope is there when I'm 70 or 80. If anything else is coming with that, um, but I, I, that is what my wish is when I'm 70 or 80, that my faith has grown and my, my practice is more steady. So as long as that's there when I'm 70 or 80, wherever I am, hopefully around a devotees, of course, will be whatever situation it might be, will be okay. Nice. Yeah, I guess that's all you need. I was just listening to the CC this morning and Prabhupada was saying that, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a householder or whatever you do, like, like that's basically what you're seeing was, I mean, that's what you're saying. It's just like, faith is like everything. And then from the faith comes a circumstance, not the other way around. Like, yeah, so that's yeah. Very nice. yeah. Uh, that's it for my questions. But I was wondering if Shamsundar or Brachundari have any questions to abide. Okay, no questions. But one thing I want to ask actually still is, um, would you say, one of my questions was like, what uh, is the one thing that you would want to pass on to, you know, kind of like the next generation of devotees? Like, what is the most important lesson that you've learned in bhakti? And I was wondering if it is that thing that you were just saying about overcoming your intellect, or is it something else? That's certainly one of the most important ones for myself that's changed my life the most. And, but I would also say in general that, yeah, just like the faith, your faith is everything. Your faith is really your greatest treasure. Um, and I, I often will, I often pray for uh, my faith to increase. Um, and, uh, and it will, it really, if you pray for your faith to increase sincerely, I really believe that it will happen. I remember when I was, at Adari the first time when I started having things like I was saying I would have trouble with the mind sometimes these doubts would come and, and wouldn't shut up and I and I remember one time in the yurt I was like going to battle so I was like yelling Hare Krishna Hare Krishna like to out yell the mind and and but it worked and I felt like this uh if you ask for faith it'll come and that's my experience um that my faith has grown as I continue to ask for it and it's like you said it would with the faith comes everything and that's my experience too whenever i have faith when, every time that i came back to adaria it was because i was practicing more and i was getting more inspired and some some situation just appears to to allow your faith to act out some more so that your faith is really your greatest treasure just nurture that pray for your your faith to grow and um and and believe that when you're touched by bhakti as long as you're being sincere and not offending other devotees, it's no matter how lowly you think you are, you're not, you're not Jagai and Madai and, and uh, Bhakti will win. So you can really just trust in this if you're just, oh, and last thing I'll say is it's don't, um, don't focus on, on how, how bad you are, or think how bad you are, just have uh, faith in, in the power of Bhakti, just like put your, your, your confidence in that. Um, and don't, uh, don't, it's maybe impossible to get rid of all your narthas all at once and you can feel bad, but just have, have faith that if you're sincerely chanting that you're going to have attraction for this other thing and just for, for Krishna and it'll start to outweigh these other things. They'll just fall away and to have faith in this. I guess that's my, my spiel. So. Excellent. Thank you. And like, so I met you first time in 2010. That was when you came to Audaria for the second time. So I've been following your journey for the last 13 years. And like, I can definitely see how much your faith has grown. And it's really cool that you keep at it. Like you've been back three times 
and it doesn't you come back you get kind of like charged up and then you your desires start feeling like okay you actually need some other situation but you don't you never give up basically you just keep doing it and then i've seen how much you've grown so it's it's very inspiring actually and it's it works <laughs> yeah that's uh, i think it's true like in devotion there's no uh action that's wasted so i think you know, even though I tried to be a monk and I couldn't do it and I tried and kind of faded away again, the, all the stuff I've gained from doing that is immeasurable is nothing is lost. And, and, I, and my confidence is, is not, um, I'm not a monk right now, but I, I am just filled with confidence and, and faith and, um, and all things good. So yeah, I never will give up. That's for sure. Nice. And that's actually a great point you kind of alluded to is that, you know, externally, it might seem that you failed as a monk but there is no failure like the externals really don't matter at all it's all about the internal process of or the evolution of like honing your faith and stuff so like yeah. people sometimes i feel like devotees they get a little too external about like oh you shouldn't you know don't try to overreach your adi car you know most people are not monks which is true most people are not monks but the thing is there's there's only gain from trying it out and and going to an environment where it's more intense spiritually there's nothing but gain yeah. i guess people can take it too far and then they get really blown out and it's bad for them you know and of course that should be avoided but like overall it's just it's so nice to see that you've come three times and it's only to your gain there's nothing but gain so anyway i keep repeating myself but it's just hit me in a new way like wow yeah there is absolutely no loss yeah that's a nice very nice way to put it absolutely Okay, well, Ava, it's been a real pleasure. Um, I might continue on some of the themes later on at some point, because I'm thinking of doing these uh, kind of shorter Sadaka interviews uh, with more people and stuff. So I might in invite you back, but it's been a real pleasure and re real pleasure catching up and kind of getting your whole story in this nice, nice package. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll stay in touch, right? Yes, it was a pleasure. It was great to see you as well. And uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Haribo. Haribo. Ciao.